we start off this morning by uh, Hope City giving God praise. I think that there's probably some of us in here that have probably not done that this week. And so I want to give you this opportunity to give God praise because you don't even realize how good God is in your life. Some of us are just going through the motions and we're missing what God is doing. And so again, you guys can keep it up because some of us in this place, and I'm not kidding, some of us in this place have not given him praise yet this week. And right now is an opportunity. Some of you guys may just need to check out for the rest of the time this morning and listen to absolutely nothing that I'm getting ready to say. Because I believe some of us in here, we're desperate for for a word of God. Amen. We need what the Holy Spirit of God is going to share with us this morning. And so God, right now, I just pray that your presence will overwhelm us. God, some of us in this place today, God, we need something of the supernatural. We don't need something that is man-made, something that is crafted by hands. God, that's something that is put together by the brain of a human being. But God, we need your Holy Spirit to move on us. God, we are on the verge of seeing things that we have not seen in a long time. God, we sing these songs to you this morning that talks about taking us out into the deep waters where we're uncomfortable. God, many of us are singing those, and it's just lip service. We don't want to get uncomfortable. We don't want to be drawn out into the waters, God. We want to be just right here where we are. But God, we know that if we're pursuing you, seeking you, God, longing and hungering for you, we're going to be drawn out into places that may scare us to death. So God, will you just show us right now that you have us, that you are the creator of this movement. And God, we trust in you today. We love your son, Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that we thank you in advance for salvation in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, and amen. Guys, I, I know the backstory to what Pastor Bradley was just telling you about that zebra cake. See, what he did not reveal to you, and that's what most good communicators will do. They'll, they'll hold back just a little bit, you know, to keep a tease going on. But I was with him when he purchased those zebra cakes, and he bought two of them. You see, Judah slept with one, and Pastor Bradley slept with the other. And Judah knew that he did not need any more zebra cakes because the Schmedium will not go on any longer. Wow. God's good, isn't he? It's okay to laugh in church. Did you know that? Like, like some of you need to laugh. You came in here with all these loads and these chains and you just had one of those weeks. And hey, I, I believe that when we get to heaven one day, I know that there will be laughter. God created us in his image. God laughs. He laughs at me. And listen, he laughs at you too, okay? So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, God laughs at you. And say it with sincerity. Sometimes he, he probably gets very, very tickled at us. Hey, how many of you guys, let's see a show of hands here this morning. How many of you, you've been coming here to Hope City for a little while, and how many of you sit in the same seat almost every Sunday that you're here? Raise your hand. Take a look around at this. This is awesome. See, here's the deal. This is for real. We are making plans to relieve some of this space issue that we have here. 
Guys, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be changing things around again because there are people who will not come into a service that is this full. Some of you guys, I don't understand why you get up so early and come to the early service. There's a little more room in the 11 o'clock service, but we're making room for more people to come in here and experience the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, we're leaving some space, probably going to be moving to another area, but just know that we're doing that so more people can come in here and experience what you do on a week-to-week basis. Now, let me get back to those hands that I just saw. Those people who love routine, you love it, don't you? You love the order, you love the things that are same because you can control those things and you know what to expect. But did you know that if we're not real careful, that that routine, which is healthy, listen, we have routines with our children, it's bedtime, it's supper, it's wake up, it's shower, we have those routines. Listen, I have them. I forever that I can remember and think back, I will always put on my right sock, right shoe, always before I put my left one on. Now, as I say that, I realize I do have a little bit of a problem, but we'll deal with that a little later. But always right shoe before the left one. And then after that, once I'm getting prepared, I I will always brush my teeth first. Brush my teeth, then I put on deodorant, then I put on some hair stuff, and then I put on cologne. And it is in that order every morning. Every time I'm out of the shower, it is brush the teeth, put the deodorant on, do some hair things, and then the cologne. It's the same thing. But we do love routine. But if we're not careful, what happens is that routine, that routine becomes a rut. And I believe some of us are probably there today. And then if we take it a step further, that routine that was healthy at first, that became a rut, it turns into monotony. It's just the same old thing over and over And I just want to say this morning that that is a very dangerous place to be when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. A rut that turns into monotony with Jesus is a very dangerous thing. I believe in honesty in this place. I believe that this is a place that you can come through these doors, you can be accepted and loved, and you can be yourself. And I just say today, I just want you, just how many of us don't need a show of hands. But a gut check would reveal that many of us, those of us who have given our life to Jesus at some point, some of us Christ followers in this room, we've been going to church for a long time and it has turned into a rut. What started off as a very disciplined, healthy routine is today a rut. And monotony is how you would label your relationship with Jesus and His church. And that's a dangerous place for us to be. Again, let's just be very honest. I mean, when is the last time you sat down and you cracked open some time with Jesus and you, and you, you know what I'm talking about here, and you felt His presence 
And you maybe read one of the Gospels that you've read over and over and over, but this time you read it and you literally feel God speaking to you in it. He shows you something that you've read a hundred times, but this time, the 101st time, there's a freshness and there's a realness and this is the truth of Jesus. When was the last time some of us had one of those experiences? It's a gut check. Because most of the time, we good Christians are just about the routine. But what we don't realize is that it's become a rut. And we're dry. And we're so distant. Can I just tell you, I'm speaking from some experience here. Is we almost just, we're in this fog. Because Monday's the same as it was last week. And Tuesday's the same as it was three weeks prior. And it's just not like it used to be. Monotony. But I understand how it gets that way. Because we do want the control. We want the predictability. We we want things to be in its nice, neat order. So I'm going to say something that I haven't said from the stage very often at this place. I love the iPhone technology. I love it. Listen, God's word is God's word, okay? But there's just something about this scripture when you're reading it off of the pages of a piece of paper. And so I'm going to challenge Hope City Because I took note today, I even said to one of my friends as he came in with his Bible, I thanked him for bringing his Bible. And I said, the culture in this place, which again, listen, I'm not standing on legalism here. I'm not saying that God's word from your phone, well, if it's an Android, it may not be that great. But if it's an iPhone, listen, it is God's word. It has the power to change your life. But listen, Hope City, I want to have the culture that we're bringing in God's word here because there may be something that he says to you that you need to write down or highlight or underline or circle or do something as it's God's word. But if you read into his word and I don't care which gospel you pick. If you pick Matthew, Mark, I picked Mark for this morning. Mark has 16 chapters. It's the shortest gospel. Start there. In Mark, if you read in Luke, if you read in John, you're going to find out that Jesus was just the opposite of order and predictability. Jesus came into this world and he literally turned the religious world upside down. Did you hear me? Jesus came into this world and turned the known religious world on its head. So there should be no ruts. There should be no monotony in this thing that we call following Jesus. I say this a lot. And I don't say it to, to segregate or to separate or to look down upon But what I'm getting ready to share just for the next few minutes today is for the Christ followers in the room. If you love Jesus and you've asked Him to be your Savior, if you've asked Him to forgive you of your sins, He is your Lord and Savior, this is for you. 
If you're sitting here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, what I've got to say here for just the next few moments is not for you. Yet. Because I don't expect you, if you're not a follower of Christ like me, to be pursuing the same things that I'm pursuing. I definitely don't expect you to be acting and doing things that I'm doing yet. And so this is for the church for just the next few minutes here this morning. You see, because I believe, church, that just like Jesus coming into this world and flipping it on its head, I believe, church, if we will continue to pursue living like Jesus, and if we will allow God through His Holy Spirit to lead this church, if we will allow Him full control of everything that we say and do under the banner of Christianity and Hope City, we too will turn the known religious world on its head. There's three of us that are going to do this. I'm serious. You see, God has not changed His Holy Spirit that was filling His Son Jesus and many of these men and women that you read of in the New Testament. The same Holy Spirit is guiding us today. And there will be nothing routine. There will be no monotony. There will be no ruts. There will just be one event after another. And the only explanation we will have is God. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to share a little story here this morning that that I I believe it depicts, I believe it paints the picture of the greatest characteristic and attribute of Jesus. And I believe that if we can model our life after what we're getting ready to see here, I truly believe that we will start to see things happen like we've never seen happen in this community. Again, church, this is for you. See, we're here in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and it says this. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples. That's an important word, disciples. Remember that this morning. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. He was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly was swamped. Here's the deal. They're at the Sea of Galilee. Now, I want you to picture the Sea of Galilee. It's not a very big sea. It's not like going down to Myrtle Beach. It's nothing like that. I want you to take a, put in your mind Ocalo Lake and just a little bit bigger. It's not a very big body of water. The Sea of Galilee isn't. It's at the lowest part of the region. And so here's what happened that made these storms. It doesn't say lightning and thunder. It just says a squall. Because the Sea of Galilee was at the lowest point of this region, low-pressure systems would come into this area so fast and without warning. It could be beautiful and sunny in one minute the next. They are fighting for their life on the Sea of Galilee. The low-pressure 
would not actually make waves come like you're used to seeing at the beach. This low pressure would come into the Sea of Galilee and it would cause the water of the Sea of Galilee not to boil because it was so hot, but it would literally start to boil like bubbles and stuff. Next time you boil some water, I want you to think of Sea of Galilee because that is what was taking place. That the bubbles, these big, huge bubbles of water were taking over the boat. And so, Jesus, let's see where he is. It says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Good for him. It says, the disciples woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind. And said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? He's saying this to his disciples. Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, it says they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is This. That even the winds and waves obey. Hey church. You want to see God move in ways that we've never seen him move before. Maybe in our lifetime. This is what we have to model. Jesus was with his disciples. A group of men who he had hand-selected, who he let in on the inner circle of his life. Jesus was doing life with these men. They were on the inside. They knew where Jesus was. They knew what he was doing. They knew what had taken place. These guys were basically his entourage. They were very close to him. And they still had no idea who Jesus was. By the way, if we as a church were given the privilege or the opportunity to pick the disciples today, not one of these guys would have probably made the cut. We would have probably cut them on looks alone. And so here's my only point for you this morning. Church, the lead of Jesus that we must follow is that we have to see the person We have to see the person that is standing there in front of us. You see, Jesus here, he didn't see the disciples' problems. He didn't see their predicaments. He didn't see their pasts. He didn't even see their present. The only thing that Jesus saw here was the person. He said, I think for a long time, church, We've done it just the opposite. 
if people can clean up the past and if they can get their present right and if their position can change just a little bit and if their problems aren't too overwhelming and if I don't go and get into a dirty predicament, then and only then will we as the church start to see that there's actually a person behind all of this stuff. So the only lead of Jesus that I'm saying that we need to follow. We've got to see the people. Another little gut check. When's the time you actually noticed the person that may be just sitting there right beside of you? I'm not even going to stretch it out to your workplace or to your sphere of influence. But when was the last time you actually saw this as a person instead of a group of problems and predicaments and a nasty past and who knows what their present even looks like? When was the last time you noticed the person? You see, Jesus... Yeah, he calmed the storm. He did some amazing things. I don't know why he was asleep. What kind of cushion was it? I don't know all of that. But here's what I know. Is that John, uh, Matthew was probably freaking out. I would have been. You would have too. You wouldn't even have made a disciple. You weren't even on that boat. So he... But Matthew was freaking out. And Jesus could have come up and said, You woke me up. You dirty, rotten... Cheating tax collector. Jesus came up and he simply saw Matthew. He could have come up and said, Peter and Andrew, you nasty old dirty smelly fisherman, this is your thing. But he came up and he saw Peter and Andrew. And this one blows my mind. I'm not sure Judas was on this boat. Like if he'd have fallen off, we'd have been in a lot better shape, right? I'm not sure. It does say the disciples. Judas was a disciple. If Judas was on this boat, Jesus came up from his sleep, came to the top of the boat, and he saw Judas. He did not see some cheating, lying betrayer he saw Judas and then he saw their predicament and their problems see the beautiful message of the gospel is this is we all have the cheating We all have the line. We have all of those predicaments. That's in a lot of our present. You see, we go back here to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 again, and it says, that day when evening came, He said to His disciples, let us go over to the other side. He knew all of that. He knew all of the stuff, but he continued to see these men as who they were. 
See, our greatest threat to, I believe, Christianity and the church. I don't think it's same-sex marriage. I don't think it's the divorce rate, which we'll talk about next week. I don't think it's the legalization of marijuana. I don't think it's ISIS. As again, go and look in your Bible. This kind of stuff has been taking place long before we ever got in control. It's not the downfall of our culture or our society. No, I believe that the most dangerous thing to Christianity and God's church is the person sitting in your seat. It's ourself. And because we're so focused on the routine, And because we have to do this and this and this in this order. What has happened is we have taken the focus off of the people that are around us. And Jesus only had three short years to do his thing. But Jesus was constantly noticing the people. I mean, you go and study this afternoon. I know that there's like a race or something coming on, but you just take a look at the first chapter of Mark and take a look at who Jesus noticed. It says here in the first chapter that he drove out an evil spirit. He healed so many people, they didn't even list them all here. It says that he came across a man with leprosy. He didn't see the leper. He saw the man who was in need. goes on it says in chapter the very last part of chapter one it says he healed a paralytic so church church it's time to follow Jesus' lead and it's time that we start to notice the people that God is placing in our life see that's why I entitled this talk dirty church because if we start to notice the people that God has placed in our life this place is going to get a lot dirtier. But again, you remember what we said earlier today? We're not the ones having to figure all this out. God's already got it figured out. We just have to be obedient. Hey, church, are you up for that challenge? That's what Jesus did. bow our heads see I believe there's some of us in here today that I wasn't talking to you you've never given your life to Jesus see the gospel message says that those of us who are in Christ When God looks at us, He doesn't see all of the shame. He doesn't see all of the sin. And He doesn't see all of the things that we think that we brought into this place today. Because of Jesus, when God looks at us, He sees us as His children. 
So I have no idea where some of you are in this place today. But I want to tell you, you've walked into a church who sees you as a person. Oh, eventually the relationship will get us to where we're going to start talking about some of the past. We're going to start talking about some of the predicaments and the problems. But because our Savior saw people here at Hope City, we see the same. So Jesus, I just thank you.